Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up? Episode 20. Two zero. Right? Yeah. Am I right? The big 20. <laughs> I probably should have asked before we turn this on. No, you are correct. Uh, it's a big deal. We're like big time now. I know, right? I keep saying, babe, it's time for me to quit my job and do this full time. I'm down. I know you would be. Yeah. I don't think anybody else would be. No, the kids especially. No, oh no, they'd be angry. Uh, they'd which is going to be the best fucking part. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of kids, uh, Jax is on our couch with my AirPods in, <laughs> and they're noise canceling AirPods. So don't everybody attack me. He can't hear shit, but yeah. which means he's not going to hear himself when he starts singing out loud. So if you hear <laughs> that, and then you hear something thud, it's because we threw something at him. Yeah. Just an FYI. <laughs> So I kind of bombarded Mark, though. Like, I walked in the door and was like, let's record now. Yep. So, so I took my meds so yeah. I would calm down a little bit. Which, well, they'll kick in, like, when we're done. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's I okay now. We kick in now, but... Yeah. I mean, I could punch you. No, oh, yeah. that help? Yeah, that sounds delightful. Yeah, I'm just saying, throwing it out there for you. Yeah, it was a long day. Little man just kept talking and talking. Yeah. It was a good day, though. It's, well, that's good. Yeah. You sounded good today. Thank you. Um, you look good. Yeah, well, thank you. Mm. Tony twerked again today. Why don't you record it for me? Because uh, he always does it when I'm not ready. Mm. Also, today is National Hot Dog Day, in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> you want a wiener, baby? Well, because of that, we went to Sonic for lunch. How is it? I've so, never had it. I got a corn dog and cheesy tots. But it turned out to be a kid's meal, because apparently that's the only way you can get a corn dog. What? So I got a spoon that's a Nerf spoon, and I can shoot a dart out the end of it. That's fucking amazing. I know. It doesn't go very far, but yeah. Well, I want one. We all got slushies, except Tony. He sat there all sad and lonely with his Dr. Pepper. (laughs) And I was like, why didn't you fucking... it's not like nobody offered one to you. Right. You fucking drove there. Right. Don and I both ordered them, so it's not like it wasn't on your mind. Mm. It was good. We got the red, white, and blue ones. Oh, was it good? Yeah, it was. Well, because the one I wanted, they didn't have anymore. Oh, which one did you want? The um, Well, the last time we went, I wanted a Red Bull one with um, Powerade, mm. Mountain Berry mixed in. Well, that sounds gross. And they're like, yeah, we don't do that. And Tony's like, well, could you just this once? So they did. So today I just wanted the mountain berry one, and they didn't. They didn't have oh. it. So Tony's like, "I got you the red, white, and blue one. Totally cool. Still a slushy, and it had ice cream in it." Oh, well, I mm. had uh, yogurt and granola. No, yeah, I had a corn dog, cheesy dots. Mm, I hate you. We do have hot dogs. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Good I couldn't deal. tell you last time we fucking had hot dogs in this house. You remember when that's all Jacks would eat? The cold one. Oh my god, you used to get so mad at me. Yeah, that, that was pretty gross. Whatever. He was addicted to them. And he was quiet eating them. Yeah, so it's like a win-win. But just gross. Just I know. straight out Ugh. of the package. I know. Ugh. God, we went through so many fucking hot dogs. Yeah, we did. It was obnoxious. Ugh. So, uh, we got a new Patreon today. We did. Uh, it's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> so, we're going to... I'm going to announce all of them, though, at the end. Okay. So, everybody can... You know, we yep. can give credit where credit is due. I almost couldn't get that out. Yep. Um, and 
We're working on merch. Got the pics sent over. It's going to happen. Sweet. Yeah. I'm excited. Poop shoot shirts. Uh, I didn't do the poop shoot shirts yet. Oh, damn you. Um, I do have a couple designs, though, for it. Like, I, I actually have a design to get it made, believe it or not. Could it just have my face? No. And, like, poop shoot right above? That's what you want? Yeah. Your face is a poop shoot? I don't care. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Till you see it. <laughs> and those fucking videos you keep sending, babe, those are creepy. They're amazing. They're creepy. They're the creepy. Face swap yes. Ones? Yeah. I'm having too much fun you, with them. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> no, they're weird. Uh, I got a kick out of them. You still get a kick out of them. You sent me like four today. I know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I did like ten of them, but then I'm like, shit, they're going to get tired of them. Ten's me. like overkill. <laughs> yeah. Tony's sitting like outside of my office now, so now he's not in the office next to me. He's yeah. outside. So, like, we both get it at the same time and we just look at each other. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then he sits in the corner and he giggles. And I'm like, I'm about to get a TikTok. Watch. That's exactly what fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yep. love us. I do. We're going to have... He's going to come over. We're going to... Cool. Yeah. We're going to figure something out. Good deal. It's not going to be, like, a real story because... No, because we'll just be laughing We could just do a total, like, a whole episode of, like, your guys' war stories. Yeah, I guess we could. Yeah. Probably some task force stories or something. I think Cal City had one this morning. Yeah. So, they did? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Probably. I saw it getting off the expressway. Oh. So, yeah, we were talking about one of them today. So... Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. Very exciting. Well, what do you got for our 20th? Uh, the DC sniper attacks. Yes. Because the you wanted this. It. I told yes. you it was not. So it's crazy in the sense of the background. Yep. So there's. Because you thought it was father and son. I did. But now, like, the more I read into it, there's a reason why I thought that. Yeah. So, But I told you when I first looked it up, and I don't even know how I got on it. But I, I just thought of it. I was thinking of different stuff. And I'm like, wow, yeah. like, that's not really been talked about. And it's yeah, it's wild. This kid was not, um, he didn't even have a fucking chance. No, He really didn't. Not at all. So there's a lot of background in it because the background, I, I understand a bunch of people got trapped, but the background is what's important to see yeah. how this happens. And I'm I'm gonna try not to talk too much about it because it's it's in depth and you have it to is. pay attention. And I did, yeah, it's yeah. Because when I first started background. researching it, I was like, I, I don't know if I can fucking do this one yeah. because I it's a lot. It's so it's in depth. That's why, like, when I started reading them, like, oh fuck, like you could do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you were gonna fucking research it anyways. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah, I'll let you begin. Okay, so. We are going to start with Lee Boyd Malvo. I believe I'm saying his name right. Uh, we're just obviously going to call him Lee. That's his first name. He was born February 18th in 1985 in Kingston, Jamaica, to Leslie Malvo, who was a Mason, and Una James, who was a seamstress. Uh, the couple never married, which apparently is very common in Jamaica. Didn't know that. Fun fact for you. Interesting. Uh Leslie eventually went to work in Grand Cayman, 
coming home for long weekends, holidays, and celebrations only because he was making more money out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late in late 1990, early 1991, the couple had a physical altercation. Um, Leslie came back from the Grand Cayman and basically said that, you know, she pissed him off and he punched her in the face. So he went back and then comes back again for a long weekend to find out that Una had not only emptied the house, but she emptied the bank account of more than $11,000 and moved herself and five-year-old Lee to a remote district called Endeavor, which is in Jamaica's mountainous and rural, I can never say that word, St. Anne Parish. Uh, Una rented a house from a family member. I can't say Una without thinking of bubble guppies, by the way, because the one is Una. Oh, yeah. So Una rented a house from a family member and opened a small grocery store to start fresh. She completely cut Leslie off from Lee. He did, Lee at some point did try and find his dad. They talked for an hour or so, and that was the last time he saw him. Because Leslie said he he wanted no part of Una. Yeah. So he ditched his kid. Um, as it, he got older, it became apparent that a big part of Lee's personality was being like a teacher pleaser, a parent pleaser, an adult pleaser. He wanted to make everybody happy. Yeah. Uh, there was a power failure in late 1992, which caused Una to close her grocery because she couldn't afford to replace everything. Mm. She moved back to Kingston with Lee and her new partner, Noi, Noi? Lawrence. I'm going to try not to make a lot of noise turning my papers because Mark yelled at me. I did. You're so, you're just aggressive. You're an aggressive turn pager. I'm an aggressive turner person. <laughs> yeah, you are. So, whatever. <laughs> uh, Una and... Uh, I don't know why I wrote Lee. Una and Noi split in 1994, so Una moved to St. Martin to work as a maid. She heard... She'd make more money out there. It's amazing down there, too. Oh, my God. St. Thomas. Yes. We need to go back. So in order to avoid citizenship issues, she, uh, Lee, who was nine at the time, stayed in Jamaica or Kingston, Jamaica with friends. By 1997, he was 12 and living with a cousin, uh, Simone Powell, and was attending York Castle School, which was a pretty prestigious school out there. He was pretty smart. Uh, In December, his mother shows up to take him. Out of nowhere. Uh, early spring of 1998, she leaves him again. She left him this time at a boarding house in St. Anne. After getting permission from Una, Lee, Lee's homeroom teacher, uh, Miss Maxwell, took him in. And he wanted to stay with them. He was very happy. He had a father figure, mother figure. Uh, Una comes back again and takes him. She was now in Antigua. She sent over a plane ticket, and Lee was sent to Antigua sometime in late 1999. Hmm. So now we're going to talk about John Allen Muhammad. Right. I'm going to call him Muhammad through most of it, just because that's how I wrote it. Yeah, it's easier. Um, So he was actually born John Allen Williams on December 31st of 1960 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He was born to Ernest and Eva Williams. His family moved to New Orleans after his mom found out that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. So the family ended up moving to New Orleans um, after his mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. She passed when he was three, unfortunately, and his dad kind of peaced out on him. He was raised by his maternal grandfather and his aunt. After graduating from high school, he married Carol Caglier 
and had a son named Lindbergh. He then joined the Louisiana Army National Guard. He was described as personal, personable and outgoing by one of his commanders. That's going to change. Yeah. Uh, in the early 1980s, though, he got in trouble twice, uh, once for failing to report for duty and once for hitting an officer. Okay. So he finished out his four years or whatever. Uh, in 1985, in an effort to turn his life around, he left his wife and joined the Army. I don't know how that's turning your life around, yeah. even your wife, but whatever. Uh, in 1987, he joined the Nation of Islam and changed his surname to Muhammad. He was stationed in Washington State, where he met and married Mildred Green. The couple had three children, John Jr., Selena, and Taliba, I believe is how it's pronounced. Oh, okay. Yeah. To each his own, but right. kind of weird. John Jr. and then Taliba. Yeah. So, but I think the last name was uh, significant. Yeah. So, um... So he did end up serving uh, sometime in Germany and then did one tour in the Middle East during the Gulf War. Mm. He was trained as a mechanic, a truck driver, and a specialist metal worker. So that's like with bombs and shit. Oh, no kidding. He was also qualified as an expert marksman. He retired as a sergeant in 1994. He did attempt to start his own business twice. He tried to open an auto mechanic shop and then a karate school. Odd. Yeah. But cool. Again, two like different. Yeah, like not even close. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, both ventures failed, though, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, in 1999, Mildred filed for divorce, getting a restraining order shortly after because of the threats he made towards her. She stated that he was an irrational man who repeatedly threatened to, quote, destroy my life and told her he, quote, would not let me raise our children. Hmm. So now he's going a little cuckoo. So Stand-up this, this is where it's starting to go downhill yeah. pretty fucking quick here. Uh, on March 3rd of 2000, Mildred filed a written complaint for a uh, protective order saying, quote, I am afraid of John. He was a demolition expert in the military. He's behaving very, very irrational. Whenever he does talk to me, he always says that he's going to destroy my life and I hang up on him. She was granted a permanent uh, protective order on March 17th of 2000. I didn't know you could get a permanent one. No, I didn't either. Maybe it's the state. Maybe. Could be. You said Washington State? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So uh, John didn't give a fuck about the order and grabbed his three kids and fled to Antigua. Why Antigua? I have no idea. Couldn't find it. And where the fuck is that? Um. So... <sighs> I don't know. You're asking me questions. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know where it's at. I'd have to Google it or you could Google it. Is or it something. like an island? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. South of us. I'm going to Google it. I don't know. I probably should have fucking looked that up, huh? How do you spell it? Uh, A-N-T-I-G-U-A. At least we suck together, right? You're not answering me. Island in Antigua and... Barbuda. That's the name of the country. So Antigua and Barbuda is a country. Looks like it's a Caribbean nation. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't up. know where it was, and you didn't know how to fucking spell it. No, so we're good. But it brought up St. John. Yeah, because so. um, it's St. John is the main port. Okay. And from so it's, yeah, it's yeah. close to there. So... 
around St. John's and Chigua's main port, see? Mm -hmm. uh, John was initially known as the runner since he could be found every morning in shorts and gym shoes running through the hilly, narrow streets surrounding the city's inner harbor. He kept his history pretty vague, would tell people he served in the Gulf War, but also said that he was a member of Special Forces, which he was not. I wonder if, like, I don't know, maybe PTSD or if he suffered from any of that. Uh, it sounds more like a psychiatric yeah. illness. more so. Not that PTSD isn't a psychiatric illness, but more of like a... Um, sociopath yeah, schizophrenic kind of thing yeah so jerome who was known as yellow from here on out and leone yellow. martin were owners of zaza electronics hmm. they said that the runner stuck out to him because no one in the area ran for fun same You're right same yeah uh he was i'm with you dude right right well you probably couldn't if you wanted to <laughs> no. yeah Thanks. So he uh, was. I got new legs. <laughs> <laughs> I got magic legs. Oh, babe, if we're not Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan for fucking Halloween, like we're not living life right. I should try to run in my braces and see how the fuck that. Disastrous. That's how it would go. I'll let you video me. <laughs> I'm not going to let you do it. <laughs> We'll have an ambulance on standby. Matt, we're going to have to do this on your day working. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. No. Um, so he also stuck out because he was exceptionally good with children. Odd. Doesn't seem like no. the type. Uh -uh. Uh, Leone Martin stated, quote, he had this power over them. He was not harsh or unfair. It was discipline mixed with love and care. And it's. It, like, from all accounts, his children were very well-behaved and yeah. loved him, and he was a, a great father to them. Yeah, so, just a shitty husband. Yeah. Uh, Yellow stated, quote, he had this amazing sense about him. He knew how to come into any room a stranger and leave as a friend. Mm. Sounds great, doesn't he? Yeah. He's not. <laughs> FYI. Thanks. Uh, in October of 2000, Lee is now living in Antigua in an agricultural district right outside of St. John's with his mom and her now 27th new fucking boyfriend. Who knows? Um, this She's an asshole. Yeah. Like, she's an asshole. Um, he had to walk to school several miles to and from each day, and every day he would pass by Zaza Electronics. Yeah. He passed by one day and saw John Jr. and Muhammad, his mm -hmm. dad, playing a flight simulation computer game. Uh, Leone and Yellow don't recall meeting Lee until, in Yellow's words, quote, one day John turned up with Lee and told us this was his son from the States. Mm. Lee had an American accent already, so later we figured they must have been together for a while. Yeah. Then Lee would drop by every day with John Jr. to play the Microsoft Flight Simulator 2000 and other games on the computer. He said he wanted to be a pilot. So he just shows up one day. Interesting. And Muhammad says he's his kid. Yeah, See, this that's... is why I thought father-son. Yeah. So after several weeks, um, Leone was growing suspicious, saying something just didn't feel right about Lee, that he didn't feel American because he was too reserved. Hmm. One afternoon, he dropped into his Jamaican accent. Somebody tried to take something from him, and he yelled something in Jamaican at him. 
Uh, making me crazy. Yeah. Leone's like, uh, what the fuck, dude? She's like, you're not American. You're Jamaican. Yeah. And he responded by saying, I was born in Jamaica, but my mother is in America. She's married to John. She's not. She's down the street. Right. Yeah. With her 27th boyfriend. <laughs> um, by autumn of 2000, all 108 square miles of Antigua, that's how small it is, knew that uh, for between $1,000 to $3,000, depending on services rendered, Muhammad could provide anybody with all the necessary visas and work permits to get into the U.S. Oh, no shit. So, this He's is probably what, making a killing. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the promise of prosperity waiting in Fort Myers, Florida, Una once again decided to leave Lee behind. So this is the fourth fucking time. Jesus. Yeah. So she's like, peace, dude. Here's the problem. She went to Muhammad in December of 2000 to get the paperwork. She couldn't afford it. Okay. She offered Lee as collateral. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. That's weird. So she said, you hang on to him. I'll bring you money. That, yeah, I'll bring you money later. Mother of the year. And then she, one of the articles I read, like, she's pissed that people are calling her, like, a shitty mother. What? I did the best I can. No, you fucking didn't. No, you didn't. You, you made him. He's, he's, a, yeah. he's a monster that was made. Yeah. And you partook in this. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what I said. Asshole. Yeah. So... She uh, ended up leaving Lee because Mohammed took the deal. He's like, fuck yeah. So now this poor kid was once again alone, but now he's on an unfamiliar island and he has no, he has no fucking family around, you know? So he was actually still living with mom's boyfriend. He ended up living, moving out of the house uh, into a single room shack with no running water or sanitation and the electricity was about to be shut off. Uh, Dewey Cornell, who is a forensic and clinical psychologist known for his research on youth violence and school security, who ended up working with Lee in prison, uh, stated, quote, it was like the perfect storm involving his history of repeated parental abandonment, his obedient and adult pleasing nature and his mother's departure. See, asshole. Yeah. In, uh, in Jamaica, when he got to Antigua, he had no supervision or support like in Jamaica. Sorry. But he had found something new. By January of 2001, Lee had moved in with Muhammad as his son. Wow. Uh, after taking Lee in, John converted him to Islam. Muhammad converted him to Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted Lee's lifestyle to mimic his own strict lifestyle even restricting his diet which he did with his kids too yeah. obviously um soon after they developed a pretty disturbing father-son relationship yeah it's a little too much uh john fuller who was an antiguan lawyer who ended up later investigating muhammad's and lee's dealings on the island for the antiguan attorney general said quote this was a young boy who had been a model kid good looking clean excuse me great in his schoolwork his father is gone his mother disappears and leaves him and he falls into the hands of someone who in his mind is a fantastic substitute for both mother and father muhammad gives him control and gives him direction and gives him ideas this was just a little boy out of jamaica the trouble is the boy swelled the whole thing hook line and sinker yeah which he did uh vanity fair did an amazing article uh that's where i got most of my stuff 
They said, quote, as every uh, ground forces general knows, the most <clears throat> mollable killing machine on earth may be a teenage boy desperately needing to belong to something greater. So he knew he could fucking mold them. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So as soon as Lee moved in with him, he started to see just how easily influenced the 15-year-old was. After he Lee's conversion to Islam, the goal of their work together was the simple quest for personal righteousness and improvement. Yellow stated that, quote, they never talked violence. The lessons being taught and learned were about honor and discipline and personal virtue. We'll learn that that was in public, not so much at home. Right. Uh, Muhammad was also giving John Jr. and Lee tapes to listen to in bed at night. They would start with music to kind of get him sleepy. And on the tapes were recordings from several different sources. Um, They would go from anything from the latest self-help book, self-help book, to Nation of Islam propaganda. So the neighbor in close proximity to them said that the development of the two boys and John's two daughters was extraordinarily positive. Hmm. See? On the outside. Yeah, right. Others, however, began to see a difference in Lee. His best friend at school, uh, his name was John also, started noticing changes even before Lee moved in with Muhammad, just kind of when he started hanging out with him. Right. Uh, He said before meeting Muhammad, Lee was interested in sports, girls, and games. Now he was arguing with kids in his school about Islam, and he attended a Seventh-day Adventist school. So this was Christian, basically, versus Islam. Right. Uh, he also suddenly knew a lot about guns, which he never knew about before. And when he was normally like skinny and wiry, he became very muscular. Yeah. He would um, argue religion, causing conflict. He'd get into a lot of fights. And eventually he just stopped going to school. Hmm. In the spring of 2001, Antiguan authorities were catching up with Muhammad and his immigration paper scan and custody issues. At one point, he had to leave the kids in the house uh, for days on end to hide in another part of the island to avoid capture. Jeez. May 24th of 2001, Muhammad, his children, and 16-year-old Lee, who was traveling with forged American immigration documents that yeah. Muhammad had made him, flew to Miami through San Juan, Puerto Rico. Lee was dropped off in Florida to reunite with his mom near Fort Myers, Muhammad and his children moved on to their old hometown of Bellingham, Washington. In August, Lee was enrolled as a junior in Cypress Lake High School uh, on his way to fulfilling his dream of becoming a pilot. He really wanted to do that. However, he needed a social security number and didn't have one. He also had to take the proper testing, so Una started talking about Muhammad adopting him to make him a citizen so he could get into this school. Uh, even going as far as buying Lee a bus ticket to Bellingham. Wow. She changed her mind, though, and hid the ticket. Yeah. Um, Muhammad, or excuse me, Lee, however, found it in October and fled. Hmm. He ran away to be with Muhammad. Wow. Okay. So now he's in Bellingham with Muhammad, who was having financial and employment issues. Uh, while in Antigua, Mildred had obtained a no-fault divorce and full custody of the children, So once the kids were enrolled in school in Bellingham, the authorities came and took them and brought them back to their mother. They were taken to an undisclosed uh, location. Excuse me. After relocating to Washington, D.C. 
Friends say that after his kids were taken, Muhammad had somewhat of a breakdown. Yeah. So this is where it drops off the fucking hill right. completely. Um, on October 20th of 2001, Lee showed up at the Lighthouse Mission in Bellingham and Muhammad immediately uh, introduced him as his eldest son. Hmm. See why I said I thought they were father and son? Yeah, I get it. Uh, the mission's director was suspicious of Lee being Muhammad's son. Yeah. Uh, he also noted that there were changes in Muhammad after his kids were taken. Uh, quote, there's no question the removal of those kids set John on the course he finally took. That was the point where I think he snapped. Well, I, I think that would make anyone snap. Yeah. I mean, don't fucking run away with them to a foreign country then. Yeah, true. Minor detail. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he knew what he was going to do yet, but he had changed. People at the mission noted that Lee and Muhammad were always together and alone. So just the two of them. They would leave for hours on end, usually going to shoot targets at the local gun, gun range. Muhammad had somehow acquired a Bushmaster AR-15, and by somehow acquired, I mean he fucking stole it. Yeah. Uh, it's a knockoff M-16, which is what he shot in the Army and earned him the um, expert marksman. Yeah. He carried it everywhere with him in a hard plastic case concealed inside a grayish-green duffel bag, because that's easy to get to. Uh, Muhammad still had Lee listening to these tapes at night. However, mm. they had taken a very dark turn. There was no music or self-help books anymore. The tapes were now introducing Lee to a more aggressive, vengeful vision of the world. Mm. Now, racial hatred speeches. This is not my wording, FYI. Racial hatred speeches were all thoughts and politics led back to a small clutch of beliefs that powerful white America hates blacks, that by the white man's design, prison is where nearly all black men in America finally end up, and that black men not in prison are eventually forced into the army where they are easily sacrificed for the goals and needs of white America. Hmm. That's straight from Vanity Fair, not me. Uh, Dewey Cornell, and I keep writing Dewey because his name's Dewey, and <laughs> how do you not? Dewey. Wasn't in Scream Deputy Dewey? Yeah, I think Wasn't it was, it? yeah. So Dewey Cornell refers to Muhammad's total control over Lee as a, quote, disassociative state. The idea that through total control, a person can be made to do things an otherwise rational person wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Una had been apparently trying to contact Lee for some time. I don't fucking know why. Like, you keep giving him away. Why the fuck do you want to talk to him? So she ended up taking a bus to Bellingham, meeting with the mission director. He drove her to the police where she allegedly told them if they didn't do something with Muhammad, <clears throat> excuse me, they would have another 9-11 on their hands. Ooh, and this is like two months after 9-11. Yeah. So uh, December 19th of 2001, Una and Lee were picked up at the mission by U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Border Agents. Uh, They were held for a month. Una was held in INS detention, Lee in a Seattle juvenile facility. In January January 23rd of 2002, both were released to an INS safe house. Apparently, that's a go-between before you get deported, so you don't stay in lockup, essentially. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's it's almost like a halfway house. Yeah. But that way you're not in prison the whole time. Yeah. 
Um, according to Una, Lee had become agitated and paranoid. And after being released, he stated, quote, Mom, we are being followed, and if I don't go, they'll kill you. Two nights later, Lee climbed out of the window and ran until he found his, quote, father. After a month of searching, Una found Lee. He said nothing, turned around, ran up the street. Fuck you, ma. Yeah. Pretty much what he said. Uh, Beginning in early 2002, the pair were working off a, quote, schedule made by Muhammad. In addition to a daily exercise regimen, there were, quote, training sessions. They would hunt each other sniper style on a local Indian reservation or forest. Oh, sounds fun. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Cornell stated, quote, it got to where every day it was now being drilled into Lee's head that they were on a larger mission and there were only two rules to live by. Whatever it takes and there's no turning back. Muhammad was training Lee how to overcome interrogation using such tactics as tying him to a tree for hours in the snow. Jesus Christ. That's not really interrogation. That's torture. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, but he was so into earning Muhammad's respect, he used these tactics to prove how tough and indestructible he could be. Mm. So he wanted to be out there tied to the tree in the snow for longer than Muhammad wanted him to be so he could prove it. Wow. On February 16th, Muhammad gave Lee his first test. Carrying a 45 caliber pistol, Lee was sent to East 34th Street in Tacoma. After ringing the doorbell, 21-year-old Kenya Cook answered the door and was immediately shot in the face and killed. Jesus. The intended target was Issa, <clears throat> excuse me, Issa Nicole, who had testified against Muhammad in his custody hearing. Kenya was her niece who was there with her brand new baby. She was changing the baby when they rang the doorbell. Um, So to Muhammad. Wow, this went quick. This, yeah, it it escalates. Yeah. Fast. Um, For Muhammad and Lee, this murder was a rite of passage. It really proved his state of readiness. Mm -hmm. Um, From February to October of 2002, Muhammad and Lee bounced around the country, robbing and killing people as their needs or desires demanded. And they were literally like from one place to another. It was insane. Are, um, all, are all their murders solved? Uh, yes, but no. Does that make sense? Like mm. they know that they know that the two of them committed them, but they can't tie. It? Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. So uh, on March nineteenth in Tucson, Arizona, six-year-old Jerry Taylor was shot in the chest from long range while practicing chip shots at the golf course. Jesus. From March to July, there was two deaths and four injuries that occurred in other states. Uh, Lee later on confessed to these and then immediately recanted. Hmm. So on August 1st in Hammond, Louisiana, 51-year-old John Garda was shot in the neck by Lee while changing the tire that Lee had previously slashed. Uh, This guy played dead while Lee stole his wallet and he survived. Wow. Uh, on March 1st of 2010, this gentleman received a letter of apology from Lee. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. It's not okay. Right. <laughs> I don't accept your apology. Yeah. Um, on September 5th in Clinton, Maryland, restaurant owner Paul LaRufa was shot six times at close range with a 22 caliber handgun. 
He was robbed of $3,000 in his laptop. He also survived. Wow. Uh, it is speculated that Muhammad used this money that he robbed from him to purchase a 1990 blue Chevy Caprice from, unfortunately named, Sure Shot Auto Sales. Oh, dude. In Trenton, New Jersey on September oh, 10th. Oh, you're killing me. Babe, the, some of these things are like, what you can't make that fuck? shit up. So... Uh, September 14th in Silver Spring, Maryland, an employee at Hillside Beer and Wine was wounded from uh, from a shot fired from the outside. Mm-hmm. On September 17th in Washington, D.C., Mohammed Rashid was locking up his liquor store when Lee walked up to him, didn't say a fucking word, shot him in the stomach, stole his wallet, and walked away. He survived. September 20th, there was a shooting and robbery in an Atlanta, uh, Georgia uh, liquor store. Sorry. September 21st, they robbed another liquor store in Atlanta, Georgia. 41-year-old Million Waldemarian was fatally shot in the head and neck with a 22 caliber pistol. Her, um, excuse me, 19 hours later on the same day in Montgomery, Alabama, 52-year-old Claudine Parker was shot in the chest and killed during a robbery at yet another liquor store. Apparently, they're easy to rob. I don't know. Um, Her 24-year-old co-worker, Kelly Adams, was critically shot in the neck, but she survived. Wow. So evidence found at this crime scene would eventually connect this killing and the Beltway attacks, which is the D.C. sniper attacks. That's what they called it, too. Mm -hmm. um, And allowed authorities to identify Lee and Muhammad. Uh, Unfortunately, though, the connection wasn't made until October 17th. So because they ended up getting friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, September 23rd in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 45-year-old Hong M. Bollinger was fatally shot in the head with a Bushmaster rifle. Um, during that week, the pair were staying with Muhammad's sister. No. And this is when Muhammad announced his grand plan to Lee. Right. They were going to extort $10 million from the U.S. government by randomly killing people in and around Washington, D.C. They were going to use that money to change the world by building a large compound in Canada or Africa, not close to each other, uh, and start a utopian community of 70 black boys and 70 black girls who would all be educated in the proper ways of Islam and honor, then upon reaching maturity, go back into the world and change it for the better. Oh, yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. So on October 2nd. Uh, 2002, a shot was fired through the window of a Michael's Craft store in Aspen Hill, narrowly missing the cashier and Chapman. This was considered random and didn't really raise alarm, because mm-hmm. apparently it's normal for the Michael's Craft store to be shot up. What, where was this at? Michael's Craft, shor- yeah, uh, craft store. Yeah, where at? Oh, Aspen Hill. Where's so the- around Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, see, I knew where that one was, not Antigua. Probably should have looked at that. Uh, 6.30 p.m. same night, 55-year-old James Martin was shot and killed in the parking lot of, of Shopper's Food Warehouse grocery store in Wheaton, which is also around um, D.C. So these next ones occurred in D.C. and Montgomery County, Maryland. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what the fuck I wrote on the side. Oh, okay. So after Muhammad told Lee, like, his grandmaster plan, you know, yeah. Um, it's possible that Lee was suicidal because he wrote a desperate uh, suicide-style note to Muhammad's niece stating that he was, quote, a walking time bomb 
And was his purpose here on the godforsaken planet to be banned, shamed, and disapproved of? Uh, he asks why I'm here. I've had a hard life, believe it or not. No father and a mother who hates. No, that's an understatement. Who has disbarred me from her. See? Great. You're a great mom. Yeah. Give her a fucking uh, t-shirt. He, says mother right. there. This kid never had a He chance. didn't have a fucking chance. No. Um, he, I have a father who I know is going to have to kill me for a righteous society to prevail. Mm. So now he's saying Muhammad's going to have to. Yeah. You know. So Lee would uh, later on go on to tell Dewey Cornell and his prison social worker, if, quote, if you want to understand me, watch The Matrix. Have you ever seen The Matrix? No. Okay. So in the movie, Keanu Reeves' character is chosen by an older charismatic mentor to lead a revolution against an evil regime of machines that have enslaved humanity. So they suspect that this is how they saw Lee. Um that he was instigating a popular revolution against the U.S. government, and Muhammad was his older, wiser mentor. I got you. Um, Those closest to them say that the revolution idea was just a bullshit cover to eventually kill Mildred Muhammad and get his kids back. Mm. So he spews this whole big fucking story, spits it to this poor fucking kid who now wants to kill himself. Right. Yeah. Witnesses uh, that were living in Mildred Muhammad's Clinton, Maryland neighborhood recall seeing a blue 1990 Chevy Caprice near her home on several occasions. So he was like staking her out. Yeah. More than one person um, in multiple sources say that he made this shit up to eventually just get to Mildred. Right. That he was going to kill her and make it appear that she was part of just this random shooting spree that happened. I, I feel like that's a little elaborate. You could yeah. have just knocked on her fucking door like and you did the first one. Right. Yeah. So this is when mayhem starts. On October 3rd at 7.41 a.m., 39-year-old landscaper James uh, Buchanan was shot dead while mowing the grass at Fitzgerald Auto Malls in Rockville, Maryland. Now, how they were doing this was they had drilled out a hole in the trunk of the Caprice, mm-hmm. like right above where the license plate was, and that's where they would stick... The, oh, the really? tip of the rifle. So just Ma- the tip? Just the tip, yes. So Muhammad would drive and be lookout, and Lee no would shoot kidding. them from a long distance oh, from the car. I didn't know that. Um, at 8.12 a.m., 54-year-old 50, part-time taxi driver Prem Kumar was shot and killed while pumping gas at a mobile station in Aspen Hill, which is in Montgomery County. So now you know where it is. Yeah, I turned Thank the paper you. loud and hit my microphone. Yeah, good job. Uh Shut up. At 8.37 a.m., 34-year-old babysitter and housekeeper Sarah Ramos was shot and killed while sitting on a bench reading a book at the Leisure World Shopping Center in Norbeck. At 9.58, 25-year-old Lori Ann Lewis Rivera was shot and killed while vacuuming her vehicle at a shell station in Kensington, Maryland. So this is where everybody was panicking from the gas stations and like the big grocery stores because that's where it was happening. I remember like it's this is when it started hitting the news big time. Because I mean, they're just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, At 9.20 p.m. So they took a little lunch break. 72 year old retired carpenter Pasquale Charlot was shot and killed while walking in Washington, D.C. All these victims were shot by a single bullet from a long distance. In each shooting, the killers struck and vanished. All area schools were put on lockdown. 
Police had very little to work with as far as evidence. Mm -hmm. And one initial report said that they saw a white box truck uh, in the area after the Washington, D.C. murder. Yeah. Um, then they started saying maybe a blue Chevy Caprice. So they, they initially were looking for a white box truck. Right. Totally different. Totally. Than... <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Muhammad and Lee decided to cover a wider area at this point, and we're now taking two to three days in between. So on October 4th at 2.30 p.m., 43-year-old homemaker Caroline Sewell was shot in the chest at another fucking Michael's store. What's with Michael? Babe. Uh, in Spotsylvania. That's an actual town, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Spotsylvania. She survived. Good. I don't know what it is with the Michaels, though. Maybe it's because, like, out here, the Michaels, if you've noticed, they're always in, like, a bank of stores. Yeah. And they have a huge fucking parking lot. Yeah, that is true. So, um, on October 7th, at 8.09 in the morning, 13-year-old student Iran Brown was critically wounded from a gunshot wound to the chest in Bowie, Maryland, which is in Prince George's County. His aunt, who was a nurse, had just dropped him off at school. She rushed him to the ER. At this scene, the police found a shell casing and a tarot card, which was the death card specifically. Really? Written on it was, quote, call me God. That was written on the front. And on the back was, quote, for you, Mr. Police, code, call me God, do not release to the press. Mm -hmm. Despite efforts to honor this request, details were made public by WUSAJATV and the Washington Post the next day. What was that again? Uh, the TV station. I don't know if it's yeah. a... I think it's a J. I don't know. It could be a J or an S. Niner? Yeah, you it's a Niner. Talking from a walkie-talkie? Yeah, I don't fucking know what it is. W-U-J-J-A? I don't know. Maybe it's an S. Whatever. Uh, the Washington fucking Post. Okay. We'll leave it at that. There you go. Uh, so the little boy actually survived, and he testified at Muhammad's trial. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Kid was a fucking fighter. Yeah. So... Um, Two days later, on October 9th at 8.18 p.m., 53-year-old civil engineer Dean Harold Myers was shot and killed while pumping gas in Prince William County, Virginia, near the city of Manassas. And I only wrote that in there because I figured you would like the word. Manassas. Yes. Um, otherwise, I really didn't need to put that, but I put that in there just Thank for you. you. So, um, See, on, you were I, thinking about me. I was. Manassas. Yeah. Uh, October 11th at 9. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 30 a.m., 53-year-old businessman Kenneth Bridges was shot and killed again while pumping gas at an Exxon station in Spotsylvania County, again, Virginia, near Fredericksburg. On October 14th, this is where shit hit the fan. This is when people really got pissed. Yeah. Uh, October 14th at 9.15 in the morning, 47-year-old FBI intelligence analyst was shot and killed mm -hmm. in a covered uh, parking garage, I believe, of Home Depot. Let me see when I turn the page. Yeah, yeah Fairfax I, County, Virginia, Home yeah, Depot. Yeah, I don't remember where it was at, but I do remember that one. Home Depot. Was it really? Mm -hmm. yeah. In a covered, yeah, parking lot. 
So police thought they had a credible witness from this shooting from a man named Matthew Doughty. However, uh, it was discovered that this dipshit was actually inside of the store and didn't see a fucking thing. He was later convicted for interfering with the investigation. Um, Gas stations at this point started putting up tarps in order to protect their customers. So they were like tarping off the walls. I don't know how, but that, yeah. Um, October 19th at 8 p.m., 37-year-old Jeffrey Hopper was shot in the parking lot of the Ashland, Virginia Ponderosa. Mm -hmm. He survived. Do you remember Ponderosa? I do. Oh, man, that was this shit. Yeah, They had this strawberry banana. Oh, it was great. Um, At this scene, though, uh, authorities discovered a four-page letter from the shooter in the woods that demanded $10 million and made a threat to children. Mm. October 24th. First, two men in a white van outside a gas station uh, were pulled over and taken into custody. However, it turns out there was no connection to the shootings, uh, but they were taken into federal custody by INS and then deported. Mm. So they kind of got fucked. Yeah. October 22nd at 5.56 a.m., 35-year-old bus driver Conrad Johnson is shot and killed in Aspen Hill, Maryland. He was standing on like the step of his bus. Uh, Chief of Police for Maryland County, Maryland, Charles Moose, released part of the content of the shooter's letters that says, quote, your children are not safe anywhere, anytime. It's a four-page letter, and this is the one fucking part you decided to release? Yeah, right? Four pages. And that, that, that one sentence? The fuck else is in there? Yeah, it was a four-page letter demanding $10 million. Oh, my. But that's the part you announced to the press? Yeah. You dipshit. Right. He also wrote a book and went on a fucking book tour while this, like, investigation and the Did trials and really? shit. Yeah, while the trials and shit were happening. Wow, that's a dick move. Yeah, because they were like, way to fuck everything up, yeah, dude. That's Great a job. Dick move. Um, so now the police are seeing a pattern. There were no shootings on October 23rd, but it proved to be a big day for the police. Uh, ballistic experts were able to confirm through testing that Johnson was the 10th fatality connected to the Beltway shootings. Police searched a yard in Tacoma, Washington with metal detectors and were able to find bullets, shell casings, and other evidence that provided a link to the shooters. They also seized a tree stump that they believed was being used for target practice. Uh, It also comes out that the tarot cards and or letters were left at most of the crime scenes. It was just duplicates of the cards or the letter. Uh, after seven, seven separate shootings, six being fatal in the first 15 hours of the D.C. area spree, the media soon devoted extensive coverage to the shooting. Yeah. I mean, now would be the time. Uh, by the middle of October, all TV news outlets were providing hours-long live coverage from the actual shooting yeah, scenes. Yeah, I remember this yep. shit. It was nuts. Uh, America's Most Wanted did an episode... The New York Times covered the shootings almost daily, um, and much of the coverage that w- came out in the New York Times that was written by a Jason Blair was found to be fabricated. Yeah. Media. Uh, the scandal res- <laughs> resulted in the resignation of the top two editors, Howell Raines and Gerald Boyd. Good. Because, what? Why? What, yeah. What the fuck are you doing? There was enough shit there to was, write about every yeah, day. I, I you didn't have to make say, anything there's up. There's enough going on. Yeah. What the fuck do you need you, to? There was make more up? than enough yeah. to to write a full story about it every day. 
shame on them. I need a drink. Go, 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 go. Public fear of the shootings mounted, excuse me, of the apparently random shootings, especially at the gas stations and parking lots of large stores. Many people moved continuously while pumping gas, hoping it made them a smaller target. No. No. (laughs) Mm -mm. Not really. Good thought, though. Right. Good try. Um, People with access would actually fuel up fuel up at the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. I was worried about saying that word. Feeling it was safer inside the guarded fence to get gas there. Uh, Government buildings all had heightened security. And after Chief Moose announced the part of the letter threatening children, because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, why uh, the fuck you would say that? Four pages. This is what you released? Make people more terrified. Right. Um... Most schools in the area canceled all outdoor activities, and some schools just closed altogether. I, I can't remember if they closed around here, because there was a lot. Uh, I don't know. We weren't in school, so I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Um, Joel Schumacher, though, had made a film called Phone Booth, and yeah. it was it was actually supposed to be released right around that time, and it yeah. was delayed until April of 2003. Yeah. Because they thought it would be potentially upsetting. Yeah. I don't know what that movie's about. Uh, with Colin Farrell, if I'm not mistaken. Are they like picking people off from yeah. a dis? Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. Um, so the investigation was publicly headed by Montgomery County Police Department and its chief dipshit, Charles Moose. Uh, the ATI, FBI, Secret Service, and Virginia Department of Transportation along with various police departments where the shootings took place, were also providing assistance. Mm -hmm. Police were able to respond within minutes to the reportings of the attacks, uh, cordoning off the nearby roads and highways to inspect all drivers, halting traffic for hours at a time. They canvassed the area and collected surveillance tapes. By October 4th, the five shootings on the 2nd and 3rd were forensically linked to the same gun. So now they know they have the same gun. Right. Um, Eyewitness accounts were spotty at best, which is pretty standard. Hotlines were set up, and most of the tips came in were about vehicles leaving the scene, but not a single tip said a blue Chevy Caprice. Yeah. A phone call from the shooters, because they called, was traced to a payphone at a gas station in Henrico County, Virginia. Police missed the suspects by a matter of minutes. So they just called to say, hey, what's up? Right. Hey. Um, hey. They actually uh, boasted about how clever they were and mentioned an unsolved murder in Montgomery, Georgia. See, they caught themselves up because this was where they were able to link it ah. with that liquor store yeah. shooting. So police identified this as the September 21st liquor store shooting. And October 17th, authorities matched fingerprints from the Benjamin Tasker Middle School site with the, the little boy. And the Montgomery, Georgia liquor store. Mm. After confirming the link, the FBI was able to link the fingerprints to Lee Malvo from a previous Washington state arrest. I couldn't find what he was arrested for. Yeah. Um, after some digging in his background, they found the close ties to Muhammad. Yeah. 
the authorities kept most of the investigation um, close to the best. Mm -hmm. I love saying that. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Love it. But behind the scenes, federal authorities were making significant headway with leads that had developed in Washington, Alabama, and New Jersey. I wouldn't see anything either because you have people making shit up and a police chief writing a book. So, right. Uh, Police learned the New Jersey plates of the Blue Caprice had been radio checked several times near several shooting locations in various states and jurisdictions. No shit. It was not listed as connected. um, NPD at that point was exclusively looking for a white van. Uh, Yeah. Damn. So on October 3rd, the day, like, day two of the shootings. Yeah. Uh, the Caprice was stopped for a, quote, minor traffic infraction in Washington, D.C., two hours prior to Pasquale Charlotte's shooting. Mm-hmm. Whoops. October 8th, Baltimore PD invested a dark blue Caprice with a person sleeping inside parked on 28th Street near the Jones Falls Expressway. Yeah. There was some concern that the occupant, excuse me, had a Washington driver's license and New Jersey plates. While the vehicle fit the description from the shooting in D.C., the officer did not extensively question the occupant or search the vehicle. Uh, That would have been them. Authorities are now publicly announcing that they have a be on the lookout for a blue Caprice instead of the white box van. Mm -hmm. After tracking the sale of the car to Muhammad, because they had the fucking plate plate numbers, uh, they determined that the car had previously been an undercover police car in Borderstown, New Jersey. Really? Yeah. So, whoops. Again, October 24th, uh, Whitney Donahue spotted a Caprice parked at a rest stop off of Interstate 70 near Myersville, Maryland. Um, Four hours prior to this Caprice being found, Chief Moose relayed a cryptic message to the sniper, saying, quote, You have indicated that you want us to do and say certain things. You have asked us to say we have caught the sniper like a duck in a moose. I don't know if that was a plan as a name or what. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we understand that All hearing... Right, Tommy Tough Guy. Right. Uh, we understand that hearing us say this is important to you. So Moose asked the media to carry the message accurately and often. Uh, Maryland State Police Trooper First Class D. Wayne Smith was the first to arrive at this rest stop and used his unmarked car to block the exit. As more troopers arrived, they effectively sealed off the entire rest area, completing it with a, quote, commandeered semi-truck. Poor guy was trying to leave. And they're like, give me your shit. Yeah. Uh, SWAT then moved in and arrested the two in the Blue Caprice without incident at 3.30 a.m. Mm. A stolen Bushmaster two two three caliber weapon mm-hmm. and bipod were found in a bag in the car. I- I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go out guns blazing. In a blaze of glory? Yeah. They didn't. Like, not even... A, they didn't even wake up. They uh, were sleeping in the car and man. had no idea this was happening I, around them. I wonder them. if they were awake, if it would have been <clears throat> different. Yeah, because they ended up, um, they announced their presence by busting the fucking windows out of the car. Yeah, good. It's a good way to announce their presence. Yeah. I hope they peed themselves. Um, so the stolen Bushmaster and bipod were found in a bag in the car. Ballistic, ballistic tests later. Man, you're struggling with words. Fuck. 
later conclusively linked the seized rifle to 11 of the 14 shootings. Wow. So they were able to connect a lot of them. Yeah. Um, October 24th, after the arrest, Muhammad is arraigned at a preliminary federal weapons on a federal weapons law violation charge. And Lee is held as a material witness and juvenile in Baltimore. On October 25th, Montgomery County, Maryland, prosecutors announced Muhammad and Lee will face six first-degree murder charges, and they will be seeking the death penalty for Muhammad. Lee was still a minor, so he kind of got out of that. Right, right. Uh, October 29th, Virginia prosecutors file capital murder charges against Muhammad and Lee because now we're in multiple states. They, They file them. January 15th of 2003, Fairfax County Juvenile Court Judge Charles Maxfield rules that Lee will be tried as an adult in the murder of FBI analyst Linda Franklin. Uh, July 2nd, Lee's trial is moved to Chesapeake, Virginia. And on July 16th, Muhammad's trial was moved to Virginia Beach because, you know, nobody there heard of him. Uh, September 17th, Judge Jean Maram Roosh rules that the death penalty is a possible punishment for Lee if he is convicted. Because in Virginia, I think if I wrote it right, still allowed uh, death penalty for minors. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was like one of the last ones I have written down here somewhere. I'll find it. Um, So... November 10th, the arraignment and jury selection begin for Lee's trial for the death of Linda Franklin. Uh, Since his arrest, Muhammad has been silent. He hasn't said shit about shit. He's letting Lee take the fall and just whatever. Doesn't surprise me. Um, He only spoke during a brief period when he chose to defend himself in state court for the murder of Dean Myers. Why why did you do that? Because he's an idiot. Yeah. He rambled unsteadily about racial politics, only glancing over the actual murder itself. He didn't even fucking talk about it. Kill Whitey. Although he was evaluated by court-appointed psychologists, their findings were never admitted as evidence and remained sealed. Wow. Which means they didn't find him fucking crazy because he wouldn't have been able to defend himself then. Yeah, true. So he knew what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. Uh, November 17th, he, Muhammad, is found guilty of two counts of capital murder, and he is sentenced to death. I'm almost done, I promise. Um, Lee was charged with assaults and murders in at least nine different jurisdictions. Crimes in Virginia are tried first by decree of the U.S. attorney acting under the authority of federal anti-terrorism laws because it is in one of the 19 states that still sanction executions for juvenile offenders. Wow. Uh, That was at the time. That has changed since. December 18th, the jury finds Lee guilty of capital murder, terrorism, and use of a firearm. I wonder why Muhammad didn't get charged with terrorism. Yeah. Um, March, he didn't at all. Weird. March 10th of 2004, Lee is sentenced to life without parole. On October 26th, Lee takes a plea bargain for the death of Kenneth Bridges and the shooting of Carolyn Seawall. He pled guilty and was sentenced to life without parole. On March 1st, 2005, the U.S. Supreme Court bans the death penalty punishment for minors in all states. So it's no longer part of it in Virginia. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. Um, On May 23rd, 2006, I I don't. (laughs) So uh, you're 17. 
So what? Yeah. You're 18 and what? Six months. So now we try you as a fucking kid. Why? You knew what you were doing. Yeah. I think at that age, you, you know what the fuck you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. Any younger 15. Uh, one of uh, the cases I'm doing in, I'll just tell you in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. as young as 10 can be tried in adult court. Wow. It has to at least start in adult court. Well, that's definitely not Illinois. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, holy You, you fuck. do a fucking armed robbery and you're released to your parents. Yeah, so. nope, nope. Not, well, not in Wisconsin. Yeah, as young as 10. If it's a felonious crime, wow. you can be, you start, they mandate that it's started in adult court. Mm. And then they can work their way down versus the other way around. Not us here in Cook County. Nope. Uh, so on May 23rd of 2006, as part of the previously mentioned plea bargain, Lee testifies against Muhammad at his trial. On October 10th of 2006, Lee confesses to the six shootings in Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And with most of the other incidents, he pleads guilty. Yeah. He again on November 8th is sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. On November 10th, 2009, John Allen Muhammad is executed by lethal injection at the Greensville Correctional Center, which I didn't know. I didn't know that he'd been executed. Yeah. I had no idea. I did, but I, that, that was quick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm shocked it that it... fairly quick. Yeah, which is how it fucking should be. Yeah, it definitely should, yeah. So July 25th of 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court decides that sentencing a juvenile to life without parole violates the their Eighth, Amend- Eighth Amendment right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck you. Um, July or June of 2013, Maryland and Virginia federal courts receive a petition from Lee's attorneys to vacate his life sentences, and it's rejected a year later. May 26th of 2017, Lee's cases are sent back to Chesapeake and Spotsylvania counties for resentencing after two of his life sentences are overturned by a federal judge. I just want to talk like Dracula when you say Spotsylvania. I know, right? That's more like Arnold Schwarzenegger, not a fucking vampire, by the way. Spotsylvania. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, On June 21st of 2018, a federal appeals court agrees that Lee's four life sentences must be vacated. Mm. On March 18th of 2019, so it's, I mean, fairly recent. Yeah. The Supreme Court agreed to hear Lee's case, which challenged the life sentences. Mm -hmm. October 16th of 2019, the Supreme Court hears arguments to determine if Lee's life without parole sentences should be vacated due to the court cases from 2012 and 2016 regarding minors. Yeah. Uh, in March of 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court dismisses Lee's appeal to the high court after Virginia changed its state law, ensuring juveniles who serve 20 years of a life sentence, including Lee, are granted eligibility for parole. Wow. So this would make him eligible for parole in 2022, but only in Virginia. However, if he does get paroled, he's going to be released to Maryland to serve those sentences. Oh, good. So he wouldn't get out anyways. Good. I, I mean, this kid never had a chance. He didn't have a fucking chance. But he's a monster. He's a monster. You're that, not, yeah. You're not going to change him. There's something in there. Yeah. You know? And now, so his social worker says that um, 
he he's starting to get his old personality back. He's talking with his Jamaican accent. Yeah, but he's ho- hopeful about the future. He also can turn on a fucking dime. Yes, which we can it's, see. It's still in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that when he tries to sleep, all the teaching from all the teachings from the tapes that he listened to come back, and all the anger fills his yeah. mind again. So he would he flip like a switch. This is my last page, and I only put this in here for you. Uh, January of 2003, so we're going back a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Legal Action Project of the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence files a civil lawsuit against Bullseye Shooter Supply, Bushmaster Firearms, as well as Muhammad and Lee. Bullseye Shooter Supply is where the gun was used, um, the gun, excuse me, used in the attacks was stolen. The suit claims the Tacoma, Washington store was run, quote, in such a grossly negligent manner that scores of guns routinely disappeared from its store, and it kept such shoddy records that it could not account for the Bushmaster rifle used in the sniper shootings when asked by federal agents for the records. It alleged that the dealer could not account for hundreds of guns received from manufacturers in the years immediately prior to the sniper attacks. It also can also claimed the store continued to sell guns in the same irresponsible manner even after Muhammad and Lee were caught, and found to have acquired the weapon there. Bushmaster was included in the suit because it allegedly continued to sell guns to Bullseye as a dealer despite awareness of its record-keeping violations. Oh, I didn't finish it. So they ended up um, settling. So the Bullseye store paid out $2 million and Bushmaster paid out 500000 both of them settling because they didn't want to pay the legal fees. Yeah, of course. It's so, cheaper to pay out. Yeah, it was all split between the families of the shooters. Well, so that's that's good. Yeah, now Lee I is mean, still I'm, in jail. I'm not a fan of the Brady campaign. I've I know. had to partake in some of their marches. And, that's why I put it in there. Yeah, that were, we yeah. had a gun store in our town. And mm-hmm. The great Father Flager. You got and, blisters on your head standing out there. Oh, man. Remember that, that year? Yeah. <laughs> in the sun, but Father Flager, Jesse, mm-hmm. man, and they are. It was a lot. They're a trip. Yeah. They are a trip. I don't know. So, yeah, this kid. But if, if that store is on bullshit i and i mean from what it sounds like they were on big bullshit and then continue to be on bullshit after they're like hey the gun stolen from here shot 14 fucking people and they're like cool yeah (laughs) you know they didn't really give a shit if you're on bullshit you you should be held responsible then you know and that's good that the money went to the families and stuff so i know how you feel about um lawsuits that's why i try to add them in yeah i'm I'm looking at our patreon page so yeah, he, I, this poor fucking kid. Yeah, I mean, a part of me feels bad for him because he, he did not have a chance. He didn't. He I didn't. Mean, right from the start, you know, and I, I just think about when I was a, you know, a cop, and just some of the gangbangers, mm-hmm. like they. It's almost generational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's all they knew. They were raised in that. They they were born into it. So like. A part of me, like, I feel bad for him. You, you don't you even feel, have a chance. And I hear, I heard, heard it on Morbid. You feel bad for the kid, not for the one who committed the crimes. Right. So, exactly. And that's yeah. what it is. 
but at this point he's a monster yeah and you can't yep. let him go no no it's still in him Be, and he even says that it is yeah. like his social worker even says that he he will like flip on a dime yeah and she'll be like dude yesterday you were perfect yeah. today you're a fucking nutball again like what is going on and that's when he says he has like when he sleeps he remembers the tapes again i mean i can't even imagine what's going on in his head yeah and muhammad didn't say a fucking word and what a piece of shit Mm -hmm. but how like that's why i thought they were father and son because that's how they portrayed themselves yeah i know See, that's, that's so I'm not completely nuts. But aren't you glad that we did this now? Yeah. Like it's it, it's. It was pretty, pretty fu- fucked up. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, the whole background of it. I mean, you can mind control. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is insane Without to me. Doubt. Yeah. So. Do you want to uh, give a shout out to our patrons? Yes, I'm going to. Um. So we got Lola and Violet, which mm-hmm. we've had. Those are our OGs. Yep. We're going to call them our OGs. Um, Jason, he's kind of an OG. Yeah. We'll give him that. Craig D, he's making our poop shoot shirts. Yes. Um, Kelly, can I say her last name? Did you ask her? I didn't ask her. Kelly name. L. Yeah. So we we named our tiers uh, patrolman, sergeant, and lieutenant. Yes. So Kelly is a sergeant. Uh, JP and Kate, mm-hmm. they are patrolmen. Mm-hmm. JP's favorite part is when you yell about my vape. <laughs> oh, you didn't even take, did you even take a hit of I it? I did not. Take a hit of it, babe. No. You deserve it. No, I don't want to. Put it in your mouth. No. Mm-mm. Just the tip. Uh, so, <laughs> Jay Leith is a sergeant. That's JJ. Uh, Matt, I'm going to say his last name because whatever. It's Matt Busey. Mm-hmm. It's actually Bussy, but nobody ever said Bussy, and everybody calls him Busey, and he just doesn't correct anybody anymore. So Matt's a sergeant. Uh, And then Sarah, she's my pen girl. I got more. Babe, I can't fucking stop. They're pretty nice. So I got pens by Maggie on Etsy. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, she is a lieutenant. And then uh, my mom. Thanks, Ma. Thanks, Mom. Uh, Beth. Mom. What is she? She's a lieutenant. She oh, went for the $20 a month. She in charge. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yep. We're now being stared at by our child. Yeah, so. Who has our AirPods, my AirPods in. <laughs> and for some ungodly known reason thinks we can fucking read lips. <laughs> We're almost done, buddy. Check your phone. Oh, That's what he's saying. Phone. He probably, like, texted you. Hi. He wants... Oh, he's got to do it. I taught him the vape voice. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. You know what? Come here, Jax. You guys are a bunch of turds. So this is Jax imitating Jamie with her vape. Can you hear that stomping? My name is Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) I smoke vapes. Do you see this? Do you see Hi. what I have to deal with at home? This is amazing. No, no. <laughs> Dude, Nana is now a Patreon. Nana she can listens. hear you. Oh, oh, so, oh someone's now he's gonna scared. get soap in his mouth. Mm-hmm. No, Dude, no, 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 no. Nope. No more. No, no more. Because God forbid, like Grandma Mary listens to this. No, <laughs> she'll have a stroke. Yes. 
So. But yeah, that's what I taught him during the day. That's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of turd faces. So. We love you. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, tell the people where they can find us. Uh, Patreon, if you're so obliged. Uh, which, by the way, we will be putting out a bonus episode pretty soon here, too. We're going to be Patreons. putting out a couple a month. Yeah. So I told Mark that today, and he was like, shit. Yeah. But because we don't have... up on meds. Yeah, because we don't have ads yet, one of the things is ad-free episodes. So I figured... You guys should get extra. So yeah, if some of the episodes are just me, it's because Mark's being a butt and he's on the couch. And no, I'm. I'm gonna. You'll do what hear I him can. yelling from the background. Uh, <laughs> but it is going to be a lot. So if it is just me, I will have him yell from the couch, and yeah. it'll be fine. Hey. Um, yeah. See, I'll, the microphone will stretch. Right. We'll be right. good. You'll be high. We'll be good. It'll yeah. be fine. Um, so thank you to our patrons. Yeah. Thank you. Um, guys. You guys are fucking awesome. And we're in the double digits now, which, again, means I need to quit my job and do this full time. Mm-hmm. So we are on Facebook yep. at Death Do Us Part. And thank you guys for, for the reviews. Yes. We've been getting a bunch now. Much so. appreciated. Uh, Instagram at DDUP underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. Twitter at uh, DDUP podcast. Yeah. Uh, what, what am I forgetting? Gmail? Yeah. DDUP dduppodcast.1 at gmail.com yep. we also have a website which guys I finally fucking yeah I worked did. on it now I have no fucking idea how to put links on there I'm getting there but I did update the actual webpage so that's uh, www.ddupodcast.com slowly but surely and then YouTube yeah. will, will be next yeah that we gotta I, work on yeah I don't fucking know We'll, we'll we'll get on there at some point. Yeah. So we need to. I know, but we're stupid. I know. <laughs> we don't know. How <laughs> we need to. help. <laughs> Please help us. Help. <laughs> help me. I'm poor. <laughs> so that was DC snipers. That was a good one. And Jackson in the background. Yes. So. But thank you for doing this one because I. I, I really wanted to. When I looked it up, it was pretty interesting. It's, it's insane. The background was insane, and I was I was actually worried about doing it because it was so detailed. Like I was worried. I was I, I got confused a couple times. I know. I know. So, but no, that's why I told you to look yeah, it up. It's very interesting. The background. Yeah. So, I have a couple more done. So mm-hmm. I already got those in my back pocket. So probably this weekend. Yeah, I have two more. Two done, actually. Well, one and a half, technically. But I'll be doing the bonus episode, too. So. Yeah. So we'll probably be doing another yeah. one this weekend, Saturday so, or Sunday. Yeah. The bonus episode, we should just tell him, right? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be Aaron Hernandez. Yes. So. So if you want to hear that, that, that you better is. better sign your ass up. Yep. That's Patreon exclusively. Somebody has to be number 11 because you always double down on 11. So. True. True. Just saying. So, all right, uh, Jax is now doing the whip and nene, so I think it's time to feed him dinner. Yes. So. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this one, and we will be talking to you soon. Bye. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.